people just, they think of things in, in the large scale, but they forget that over time, these small little steps you're making every day have a compound effect, you know, in, in a year's time. Welcome back to the Kelly Lumber Podcast. I'm your host, business mentor, personal brand and style expert on a personal mission to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action, do something different, or just show up as the best person that they aspire to be. I love all your messages, your tags on Instagram story, on LinkedIn that say you've been inspired by something or you've enjoyed an episode or a guest has said something that's been a complete game changer for you. So keep them coming. It really makes my day and the guests that have been on the show knowing that it's had an impact. So thank you for being one of my five a day. Drop a review on Apple Podcasts or come and say hi on Instagram if you haven't already. I love meeting those who have enjoyed content and just want to learn more. Well, talking of learning more, in today's episode, I speak to Briar Prestige and we talk about her experience from moving from a super small town in New Zealand to making her business career that spans across Dubai, New York, Saudi Arabia, London and Australia all a success. Now, I've worked with Barr many times. I've been on her podcasts and I've learned that no project for her is too challenging. She always finds a way to make business work, balance, grow and take things to the next level, including taking on the most recent projects, which is launching her label, which is a collection of premium power suits which I've actually been one of the initial ambassadors for, the Black Tuxedo, which I absolutely love, posted it many times on social media. And Briar is also a CEO of the Prestige Group, which is a personal branding, PR and media production agency. And we cover so much in this episode about what it takes to succeed, lessons learned, skill sets that will work and help you grow your business and your brand. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Brew. It's great to have you. We connected years ago on, on your podcast. Do you remember that? My gosh, it was such a long time ago now, but time flies. It still feels sort of like yesterday. Yeah. yeah. How long is it you've been in Dubai now? So it's four and a half years, which I cannot believe because I'm very much one of these people that likes to move around. So the fact that I've been here for four and a half years just as must be good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe give our um, audience a little bit of a backstory. I mean, we've connected through business on on multiple levels, through your suit collection, through when you had your, you know, your community and your events. And there's been so many times we've touched point. Maybe just give a bit of a backstory as to what brought you to the Middle East. And I know we've got so much to talk about. So over to you. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Really excited to be here. And yeah, you know, I guess I guess where my story starts is on a very small farm in a town in New Zealand. So that's where it all began. And <laughs> after I finished university, I was like, you know what, I need to get out of here. So I moved to Australia very briefly. I was in Australia for about seven months living in Melbourne. And I was working as a waitress because I think what you realize after you graduate university, you have all of these amazing ideas in your head and you're like, man, I just can't wait to finish university. But then when you get out into the real world, you're like, man, this kind of is very hard. So I was working two waitress jobs. I was, in fact, one of my my jobs, I was basically like the runner of the food and the, the toilet cleaner. So it's so funny to think back to 
these times. In fact, at one point, I even had three jobs trying to juggle everything. But basically, I ran myself to, to the ground and I was pretty over everything. So I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to move to New York in eight weeks time. And all my friends and family obviously thought I was a bit crazy. And I, I did it. I just saved up over eight weeks. I hopped on a plane. I rocked up to New York with a single suitcase. And, you know, I, I, I always talk about this story in every single interview I do. But I actually think that was the, the, the pivotal moment for me. And that really has carried me through everything that I do because, you know, I just realized that you can kind of do anything with your life, you know, and you put a bit of hard work into it. You make a plan of action and you execute. So I um, worked in, I got a job as a waitress for a while, and then I worked in real estate, which was awesome. And that's really where, you know, I started developing, you know, I, I just really enjoy the hustle, I think. I know it's a, a silly word to say, but I just love, you know, going out there and being in business and wearing business clothes. And it was just kind of fun, you know? And the reason I loved real estate so much in New York is, as you can imagine, it's up in the sky, you know, and I'm coming from a very small town in New Zealand called Darfield. So we didn't have anything like that. And um, after working in real estate for a while, I then moved to London and I started working in recruitment. And yeah, and then I, I started loving digital marketing and marketing. So I went back to school, got my digital marketing diploma started building some websites on the side, started working with clients. And, you know, and, and you would ag agree with this, Kelly, but it was just when there was that, you know, there was that time where fashion and beauty bloggers were coming into play. And I thought, surely CEOs are going to wake up one day and think, I want to have an online following. So I started doing that on the side. And yeah, and then it's, it, it's all kind of spiraled up from there. I had my first employee you know, within a month, obviously moved to Dubai, where I'm here half the time now in between Dubai and New York. And yeah, I've got our agency now, which is Prestige Group. So it's a personal branding and PR agency. We do a lot of work with corporate um, CEOs, tech entrepreneurs. And yeah, now I've got the, the suit collection as well, as you know, because you were one of our very first ambassadors when we first launched. And yeah, it's, it's, it's all keeping me quite busy and, and out of mischief, which is good. I've got a ton of questions off the back of that. Um, and it's just so, it's, it's, I love hearing people's stories and what makes them or, or what drives them to, you know, go and do something different. So my first question is, why New York? Like you, you were from this tiny town. Did New York just sound exciting or what was, did you just look at a map? Like what was the kind of whole reason behind that? I think the, the, the reason behind it was I was just like, you know what? I'm so fed up with everything. I'm just going to move to the biggest craziest city in the world and for me it just seemed like New York like it seemed almost impossible it seemed like the biggest challenge you know mm -hmm. and 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 that's really all the thought that went into it so as you can imagine when I'm telling my friends and family I'm moving to New York in eight weeks I like where will you stay what will you do and I was like you know what I've got no idea I'm just going to rock up and just make it work and you know I, I know that lots of people in Dubai have these kind of stories of where you go to a new city and you don't have a hell of a lot of money in your pocket you know, but, but that's really, I think the best way to do it. You know, it's, mm. it's amazing what you can do. You know, you go out, hand out your CV to different restaurants or, you know, different places and, and you just make it work. And it does. You've tried your real estate, you were in recruitment, like you've, you've tried your hand at a number of different things. What was the moment then that made you decide, do you know what, enough is enough. I want to set up my own business or did it happen quite organically? It happened quite organically. So I actually originally come from a communications background. So I've always kind of had this 
you know, love for, for marketing and communications and everything like this. But I think recruitment in New York and real estate in New York really did set me up for running my own business. Because in these roles, you learn how to do business development. You learn about negotiation. When I was working in recruitment in London, I was working on a sales floor with over 300 people. They used to make us stand up and pick up the phone, make a cold call. And we were not allowed to sit down until we had talked to about 10 different people, you mm. know? So it was, this kind of, it was this kind of background that just really gave me some guts. I, I, couldn't, I remember the first time I made a cold call, I was like shaking and my voice was shaking. It was literally the worst thing I've ever done. But because of that, I, you know, I can now talk on the phone. I can talk with all kinds of people from all different backgrounds. So no, it was, it was quite organic. So it literally just started as a side hustle, you know, building websites on the side, doing my digital marketing, learning about all different kinds of things. And then it reached the point where I was like, you know what, I just don't have the time to be working a full-time job and to be doing my side hustle. I just need to take a plunge. So I, um, I just, again, made a kind of crazy decision. And, you know, I think back on these decisions I've made in my life and I'm like, you know what, that was actually kind of mental. <laughs> like, what were you thinking? Like, you could have gotten in so much trouble, but, you know, I downgraded my apartment. I like literally moved into a maid's room I had like one month salary in my, you know, in my pocket or whatever. And I was like, you know what, go hard or go back to New Zealand. That was literally my motto. And I thought, you know, the worst thing that could happen here is I literally end up on a plane back to New Zealand, spend a couple of years in New Zealand and then try again. You know, I was like, that's literally the worst thing that's going to happen. So um, I just went for it. And I knew that coming from a, a business development background, I knew I had to make this many calls or speak to this many people to have this many meetings to close this much amount of business. So when I kind of broke it down like that and obviously had a strategy and a business plan and everything, it just seems so achievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. that. That comment that you said there, what's the worst thing that can happen? And I remember thinking exactly the same when I decided to leave um, Emirates when I was 24 years old and start my own business. And I was like, what's the worst thing that can happen? okay, so it fails. I've got this massive loan, but I'll go back to a cabin crew and pay the loan off and do something else in two years. And that's the whole thing is what's the worst thing that can happen. And then when you actually work that out, you're like, okay, now I can deal with that. Let's go and do it. Exactly right. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, you know, fear holds so many people back, you know, And so many people say to me, they're like, how have you worked? How have you gone from working in recruitment? Yeah, working in a completely different industry. You know, how have you done this? And I I just think as well, sometimes people uh, are so fearful that they're too scared to take the plunge and they just need to start small. Mm -hmm. So whether starting small for you is doing an online course Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, spending half an hour a day reading a book about something you're interested, people just... They think of things in, in the large scale, but they forget that over time, these small little steps you're making every day have a compound effect, you know, in, in a year's time. What would yeah. you say over the years and the sort of the, the different industries that you've been in, what have been some of the best skills that have helped you? So we talked a little bit about your, the, you know, being on the sales floor and what have you. If there's someone maybe thinking about, you don't know, starting their own business, what are good skills to have? Yeah. So I think 
obviously business development, you know, knowing how to conduct yourself on a meeting, mm-hmm. understanding as well, perhaps the, the sales cycle of your industry. So, you know, how you would first approach someone and always be thinking, what is the value I can give this person? You know, a lot of people, when they think about selling their services, you know, they, they literally just think of it as a sale, but it, it really should just be about making friends and making business connections and, you know, always giving something, something back to everybody because that's when you are able to make these, make the sales at the end of the day. I think as well, you know, having things like, you know, knowing how to pitch, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're in running an agency or whatever business, you know, just again, kind of presenting a pitch so that it comes across in the right way and makes people want to, to buy it. And yeah, I think marketing is, is, a, is a really strong skill to have. And, you know, these days with social media, there's so much we can do for ourselves without having to hire, you know, a big agency or invest in, in PR budgets and things like this. Like we really do have so much ability and, you know, not meaning to plug <laughs> personal branding in here, but it's, it's amazing. And, you know, just set yourself up on Instagram, be documenting what you're doing, make sure you're unique selling proposition is shining through, come across as authentic in yourself. And naturally it works as a magnet for opportunities, right? And you know this more than anyone, Kelly, you know, it brings in PR opportunities or speaking or just potential people that want to work with you. So I think there's just, we're in such a unique time and there's so much we can be doing for ourselves here. Yeah, it's so true. I think I would also add to that list. We've got business development, we've got sales cycle within your industry, know that be able to pitch marketing. I think public speaking is something that everyone should learn to some degree as well, whether that's having the confidence to do that pitch, but actually just knowing, and you really enjoy public speaking. You had your your show and what are some tips you could maybe give to someone if they're like, oh, that is just such a scary thought. Yeah. And it's all practice at the end of the day. Like honestly, practice makes perfect and just start small you know, start by putting your hand up to give that, to lead the business meeting, you know, with your colleagues, like the more times you practice, the more confident you will come across. And, you know, I always take a moment before I go on stage to just go and have some downtime and some deep breaths and just kind of to center myself a little bit. And, but my, um, so I've, I've worked with a public speaking coach before. And when I rocked up, he was like, you know what, you just need to practice. And, so many people look at the likes of, you know, Tony Robbins and all of these big, amazing speakers on stage, and they look like they're saying things off the cuff, right? They look like it's so natural and everything like that, but they forget that these people have rehearsed for a long time. So anytime you have an engagement or anything like that, just practice what you're going to say. Practice some, we call them media messages in my industry. So you know, some topics that you would talk about and Mm. some things that you really want to come across in your interview and just practice saying them in a a different way and and talking about them in front of the mirror, practice using your arms and gesture. And honestly, practice makes perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I remember years ago, I attended a, a sort of a personal development. It was kind of selling from stage and it was packaging your product. This was years ago. And I remember the the mentor of that was actually hosting it said, you know, when you go back to, to what it is you're doing, you should be speaking a minimum of once a week in a public setting, a minimum of once a week. And I thought, you know what, that's a really good gauge that if you're not getting any, and I was like, well, I'm not, 
I may be speaking once a month on a professional capacity and getting paid for it. I need to be doing minimum four times a month. So I joined Toastmasters, not necessarily because I was like, oh, I, I, I need to get better. I mean, it's always skills you can learn, but because I could practice public speaking, that was it, to stand in front of an audience. So um, for those that are listening, and it's funny how it's kind of gone down this route, but that is something I would definitely recommend as well. I wanted to kind of touch back on before we get into sort of like the clothing and, and, and why the suit collection. I always remember, I think around about the time we first met, you know, and, and part of that business development piece that you'd said is about connections and meeting people. And you launched Deals in High Heels, am I right? Did I say that right? Yeah, so that was my, my talk show I had for many years here. I loved yeah. it. And you know what, when, when COVID happened, of course, I couldn't have my live events. And I did go down the digital virtual route for a while, but there is something so amazing about having a live audience and just seeing people's faces. It didn't have the same effect for me after that. I remember you said to me, though, at the time, I said, oh, what made you start to do this? And you were like, well, I arrived in a city and I didn't know anyone. So I thought the best thing to to do would be to make friends and to build a community and do it that way. And that was kind of how, if I remember rightly, how you started your connections and, and business community, I guess. So true. And I'm so, so happy that I did that. And it, it just goes to show you that in a city like Dubai, you can build up your brand so quickly here. You know, mm. my event started really small. So for anybody listening to this, don't think that when I first started my events, I had 200 people in the audience or anything like this. I literally started <laughs> off with like seven people coming along. And a lot of the time, half of them were my friends that I'd roped in, you know, but over time, and especially in a community like Dubai, word gets around. And my, um, you know, the, the, the main purpose of these events is I wanted to give value to people. So the whole concept was, I would have a thought leader come on, you know, come on the stage, I'd provide the platform, I'd provide the photos and the the marketing and everything like that. And then everybody in the audience can learn from them. So I'm a big believer we all have so much that we can learn from each other. And um, yes, yeah, so I had these shows and within two years, you know, we were having audiences of, I think you had like 150 come to your one, Kelly. Mm. And it was just, I, you know, the funny part about these is I would go to the supermarket and people would be like, oh, are you Brian? <laughs> you know, walk down the street. So I'd be like, hi, Brian. Like, Honestly, like I'm, I'm not saying that I was like famous or anything like that because not quite, but in, in a city like Dubai, it's a very community feel. It's not a huge city. It's not like New York or London. Yeah. You know, sometimes I actually feel like I'm living in Sheffield here in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the nice part is, is you can very quickly build your brand. And through the events as well, um, I started to get some press coverage. So like Arabian Business ran a feature and I think a few other magazines as well ran a feature as well. So it was, it was just a really good way, yeah, to go out, meet new people, build your brand. And it was a huge, yeah, it was a good start for me, for sure. You talked about how sort of things changed during COVID or that changed, obviously, because there wasn't the, the live events. What else for you changed during COVID or what, what happened during that time that helped your business or that changed your business? just for those listening. Yeah, so I think like everybody, I'm so, I'm so happy to see the back of lockdown and everything like that. Well, at least I hope, touch some wood. But yeah, there were, there were quite a few things that changed. You know, I just really started to, I, did, I just really put my head down and really focused on, on the agency and just going above and beyond for all of our, our clients. 
we did expand um, during COVID, which is amazing. You know, I, I think for, for everybody, COVID was like a time where people kind of thought about their priorities and what they wanted to achieve and what they wanted to do afterwards. And for a lot of people, it was, I want to build my brand. And also during COVID, a lot more people were spending time on social media. Mm -hmm. So if anything, afterwards, you know, we're having so many more business inquiries and, you know, we just expanded into New York recently, which is amazing. We're doing lots of work in Saudi Arabia as well. And Another thing is, is that people are quite happy to work with people without actually meeting them face to face. So back in the day, you used to have to hop on a plane to go and conduct your business meetings or to pitch or whatever. Now people are quite happy meeting on Zoom and, and agreeing to work from, from there. So that's actually really interesting. In fact, I think it's connected the, the world together. And we're seeing this across industry as well. This is not just uh, in our industry. So obviously that happened. We were already planning uh, the suits. So we'd already designed and planned the collection and everything like this. So we, we did put, put it on pause momentarily in about sort of March, April time, you know, as, as soon as the, the sort of channels were opening back up and, you know, businesses were underway and, you know, we could source the fabrics and, you know, stuff like this, we did actually decide to go ahead because, you know, we figured whilst everyone's sorting themselves out and, you know, planning the strategies, it's the perfect time to launch because people will notice something like that. And hey, it gets everyone out of their loungewear. I'm so sick of loungewear. <laughs> Don't we? <laughs> so, so maybe we can kind of go into talking about the suit collection and, you know, yeah. why that? You know, you, you, you've got a successful business. What made you want to then go into what, what is quite a tough industry? Like having been in... Uh, you know, you know, retail and, and designers, it, it, it's a hard area to, to, to break into. So what made you decide to do it? And yeah, how, how it's been going since? Yeah, so it, it definitely is um, quite a tough industry. So uh, the whole idea came around when we were doing work for um, an Abu Dhabi government agency. And I was trying to find suits to wear. And I just couldn't find any suit that, you know, perhaps still had that, you know, very appropriate for the government, appropriate for office, but kind of had this special kind of edgy feel to it. And yeah, I couldn't find any tailors that would even tailor something like this. Um, Lots of the tailors were saying, oh, no, we only cater towards men and, you know, all of these ridiculous things. So um, business in Dubai, all the suits for men and getting them made to measure, like it's it's big, but for women, like nothing. Nothing, exactly right. So, um, so yeah, that's how the whole idea started. I'd always originally always wanted a workwear collection. So ever since working in real estate, I always saw myself having a workwear collection, but it was always going to be dresses because yeah. I had a whole wardrobe full of suit dresses. Like you come into my wardrobe, Kelly, you will not find any jeans, you will not find <laughs> any shorts. <laughs> it is just all dresses and suits, I swear. And so when people sometimes ask me, oh, yeah, come over, but wear casual. I'm like, honey, I don't do casual. <laughs> but it's true, I just don't have casual wear. Yeah. And so, yeah, so the, the whole idea for the suits came around because I couldn't find any suits to wear. And I thought, you know what, I'll start with suits. I'll go in really niche. And, you know, because there's so many dress brands out there, you know, then you're competing with the likes of Zara and, you know, all of the different dresses available. So at least if I went in with suits, it was quite niche. And then after I sort of build the, the brand up there, you know, we will start dropping some, um, 
some other workwear things. So for instance, we are already working on our dress collection and we're working on like a core workwear. So like your staples, so like really nice black trousers and honestly our, our shirts are to die for as well. So um, black blazer, you know, these really core things that you need for the office. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and then we just launched our second collection. So the 21-22 the collection. And it's all these bright suits. We've got this amazing fuchsia one, which I really want to see you in, Kelly. It's got like <laughs> up the legs and, you know, the, the flare arms. So it's amazing. And it's all made from cashmere wool blends. So it's, it's all really nice. And oh, honestly, yeah. You're happy. You're happy with the collection. Yeah. You you also chose to have sort of ambassadors for each suit. What what made you decide to did did you do that for the second collection as well? So we actually um used models for the second collection. But yeah, for the first collection, we really wanted to launch with the idea that we are a brand for businesswomen, you know? And for us, it was we were really inspired by the entrepreneurs that we we chose to represent the collection. And we wanted to share their stories a little bit along with the collection as well. So, you know, we had the likes of yourself. You looked amazing in the black tuxedo. Love it. I've got that home with me in the UK just now. Yeah. I've it so much. I really love it. Oh, fantastic. It's one of our best sellers. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really nice. And then we had, you know, Dr. Saliha, who is, you know, clinical psychologist, uh, Lighthouse Arabia. We had Roseman and you know, all of these amazing females that were sharing their story. And for us as well, we wanted it to come across as a more inclusive brand. You know, females of all different shapes and sizes, wearing the suits, looking amazing in the suits, not just necessarily your standard, you know, size eight UK. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the second one you've done is all, um, is a bit more color. And that now you said you've just opened in New York. Is there a reason there again? Or is it because you've got connections from previously working there? So we've actually had quite a bit of interest in the suits from the US market. And, you know, even though we ship all around the world, we have free international shipping. Uh, A lot of the time people still want to come into the shop. They still want to try it on. And, you know, I get it. So, um, yeah, we're expanding into some boutiques in New York. Also had quite a few inquiries from LA as well. So like the red carpet and celebrity kind of events, which is really exciting. So um, it's really interesting to see how initially it just seemed like, you know, a workwear collection, but um, now people are wanting to wear them to events and on stages and all of these wonderful things as well. So how have you found the transition from kind of offering a service to offering a product? Although the suit still is a service because, you know, for a lot of them, you're getting them fitted, but they're two very different products. Like how are you kind of juggling all of that? 100%. So the business models are completely different, you know, with, with, an, with the agency, when I first started, you know, it was, you know, you have your, you can leverage freelancers and, you know, you could start small and then grow depending on how many clients you got. Got big suits, overheads as well. Yeah, for the suits, it's the other way around. It's like big overheads, you know, money down, you know, all of this stuff. But yeah, so it's, it's really interesting to see how they match up. But you know, for both of them, it was just always about surrounding myself with the right people. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a fantastic designer called Charlotte who um, helped design this, the suit collection. We've got Brooke, who's our brand manager. She sort of oversees the suit collection full time. So yeah, it's just about surrounding yourself with, with the people who know the business because I had no experience mm-hmm. in fashion except for the fact that I just love wearing fashion. <laughs> 
you know, so it's, it's all just about surrounding yourself with the right people. And I think every time you go into business and start a new business, you have to go in expecting that you will kiss some frogs, mm-hmm. right? So it sort of takes you a little while to understand the market, to, to achieve the quality that you want. You know, you're just not going to get it first off the back. So even if you think you can start something, you know, quickly and straight away, I would 100% you know, su- suggest to, to spend time doing things, mm. you know, kiss those frogs, meet more than, than one supplier, you know, really, really take your time with it because time is what gives quality. That, that's something that I would say with, with both of the businesses as well. Yeah. So how do then you manage on a personal level, like balancing both businesses? Because it could be someone who's listening has maybe got a full-time job and the side hustle like you had, or you know, I actually have got, you know, different businesses. What has worked well for you that you can share as some tips? So I have a massive to-do list. (laughs) (laughs) You do software, you have a a, a tool, like I'm looking at just moving everything to monday.com. What do you use for your team? So um, our team are on Monday and they're also on Slack. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a really great uh, internal communication tool. Yeah. Um, but for me, I just, I just keep it simple with my to-do list. You know, I think sometimes people, you know, when, that, when they're trying to stay organized, they implement all these fancy things and they always make it too complicated for themselves to adopt, mm. you know, fancy apps and things like that. I'm sure there's amazing things. I just use the notes on my iPhone, you know, <laughs> nice and easy. And then I give myself a little emoji next to it. So sometimes I'll give the little red lip, sometimes a little red heart, you know, it's really satisfying. But um, all jokes aside, yeah, I, I'm really good at, at putting everything on my to-do list yep. because otherwise I just, I, I just couldn't remember. And I even have a PA as well. And, you know, my PA is amazing. Her name is Mary. So she helps organize lots of things. Again, surround yourself with a great team who can really take responsibility for their work. You know, you know that they're always thinking ahead, using initiative, well, I think is, is really important. But for me, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, time blocking, I try and wake up, you know, relatively early in the morning and, you know, tick some things off my to-do list. And, you know, at at the same time, I always make sure I turn off at a suitable hour as well. So come, you know, 6, 6 37, I I make some time for myself, either go off to Pilates or go for a walk or God forbid I watch, um, you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for a little (laughs) while. But, you know, I think these kind of moments are really important because, you know, when I'm working, I'm working. But then when I'm away, I'm, you know, sometimes working, but it might just be sending off some texts or, you know, doing, doing things like this. So, yeah. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for giving us the backstory, sharing everything that you've kind of been up to and just how you're balancing it all. It's really inspirational. How can people find out about where to buy the suits, more about your personal story and just to get that sort of level of inspiration? Thanks, Kelly. Um, yeah, so you guys can go to prestigegroup.com. That is our agency. If you're wanting to buy the suits, go to briarprestige.com. Very easy. I just name all my companies after myself. And if you there's want to find me- There's a good reason me, for that in personal branding. What was that? Sorry? There's a really good reason for that in personal branding, you know, naming yeah, it after yourself. Exactly, exactly. And um, yeah, or you can find me on Instagram. So briar underscore prestige or LinkedIn as well. So if you want to find me, I'm very open to receiving messages, happy to connect. And thank you so much for having me on your show, Kelly. You're most welcome. What's your favorite social media platform for your personal brand? 
So for me, I've always really enjoyed Instagram, but I just hate how the algorithm's gotten these days. So uh, LinkedIn really does make up for that. So the LinkedIn algorithm is super free, which I like. And fun tip, the UAE is actually the most connected on LinkedIn out of anywhere in the world. Oh, so that's that means, interesting. Yeah, so if I like your piece of content, it goes out to my entire network. So it's a really good way to get, yeah, amazing ROI and free eyeballs looking at, at your content. So a really good platform for entrepreneurs. Love that as a little bonus tip. Thank you so much and every success with the next collection. Thanks, Kelly. Take care. much for being here and listening to this episode today were you inspired what was one takeaway that you're going to know what that really resonated with me i really want to hear from you head over to instagram i love to hang out there kelly Lundberg official drop me a dm tell me the best part or even better screen share it and um, share it with a friend and inspire them too we are growing weekly and it's all down to you thank you so much reviewer of the week left this message great interview with three inspiring entrepreneurs well worth the listen lots learned and the story of tish tash was full of interest from a gunny 60 thank you so much so please leave a rating and review on apple podcast it really does make a massive difference until next time be inspired and keep following your dreams